there's times it's awkward. There's times you don't know what to say or how to say it. There's times that it's just different navigating this type of relationship because I don't think it's typical, right? It's not one of the original relationships for family that God created, but it's a way that he's able to, I like to say, bring two families together because it's not just grown our family by a little boy. They're our family now too. Did you finally realize your dream of having a family only to have your happily ever after turn into a nightmare? Do you find yourself up late at night wondering why nothing you try as a parent is working? Are you searching for adoption resources and a support team but can't find any? Hi neighbor, welcome to Anchors of Encouragement. I'm Tim Maudlin, husband, adoptive parent, Bible class teacher, and the persistent encourager. I too felt the joy of having a family of my own and I wished we could be like other adoptive families. I knew we were doing our best, but nothing seemed to work. And I kept asking myself, why is this happening to us? In Anchors of Encouragement, my mission is to throw adoptive parents a lifeline and be your anchor, to offer biblical mindset support and to provide stability when life gets unstable. If you're ready for real and raw talk that leads to peace beyond comprehension, so you not only survive but thrive in life's storms, this podcast is for you. Hope and healing are on the way. Hi, neighbor. Welcome to another episode of Anchors of Encouragement. Joining me on the show today is Sasha Starr Robertson. Sasha is an intentional living and biblical mindset coach for busy Christian moms. She's a wife of 13 years to her best friend, and she's a mom of two boys. Sasha and I have a couple of things in common. First of all, we're both podcasters. Sasha is the host of the Intentional Mom Life with Jesus podcast. We're also both adoptive parents, but there are some differences, as you're going to discover, in the journeys that we took in adoption. Sasha pursued what is called open adoption. In this episode, she's going to share her journey, the resources and the information she was able to discover, and why she loves this particular path that she and her husband took to build her family. I would encourage you to take notes, listen to the information, and check out the resources. And then do your due diligence and decide whether open adoption is the right path for you. Without further ado, let's get to our conversation. I'm happy to bring to you my neighbor from Alaska, Sasha Starr Robertson. I'm kind of jealous, Sasha, when I realize that you get to see the Northern Lights on a regular basis. A few years ago, I was walking to my neighbor's house. And I caught a glimpse in the north. I knew it had to be because I saw that green color. And I couldn't believe how brilliant it was, even as far south as I am. I'm in Indiana. And we never see the northern lights. I know they get into Minnesota and sometimes Michigan and northern Indiana, but never southern Indiana. And I saw a glimpse of it. And I go, she gets to see those all the time or whatever frequency they are. So as we start our podcast episode together, could you share a little bit about that and then tell the audience about you and your adoption journey? Because we are both adoptive parents and you have a unique way that you built your family as opposed to how I built mine. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Tim, for having me. And yeah, we do get to see the Northern Lights all the time. Only thing is now that I'm a mom, I don't often wake up in the middle of the night to see them, which is usually (laughs) when they're happening. Uh, 
around 1 to 3 a.m. is usually prime time, but they do happen all the time, all winter long. I actually remember one September that we were kind of more up north than where we live now. Some people are like, Alaska's already north, but we were more up north and it was Labor Day weekend and we were camping outside on an airstrip. So it was the middle of nowhere, no lights. I swear you could hear the northern lights. The entire sky was filled. It was so quiet. And I I was blown away. I was like, Lord, are you coming back now? <laughs> like, it was just, <laughs> it was so marvelous and so amazing. And so, yeah, it is, it is such an incredible thing to see. And I think living in Alaska, you somewhat grow a little numb to it. You know, at first mm-hmm. you're like, set the alarm, wake up, you know, but, but now it's like, oh, I'm tired. I'm just going to stay in bed. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. We do, we do grow a little bit um, insensitive to such beauty being in this, you know, just incredible beauty, not just the Northern Lights, the mountains, the snow. It's all amazing. I love living in Alaska. Um, I'm actually from Michigan, but I've lived in Alaska more than half my life. So I definitely claim Alaska. Mm -hmm. I like to say I'm Alaskan um, by heart, not blood. I couldn't imagine living anywhere else. Every time we talk about moving somewhere, I'm like, "Mm, nope, there's snakes there. There's tornadoes there. There's, you know, all these other things. I'll deal with the cold and the darkness and the earthquakes periodically. So I, I'm a mom of two blessed by adoption. Um, My oldest is currently three and a half and youngest is five months. We have actually not finalized his adoption yet. Um, So still in the throes of that. And we did our adoption journey through um, private domestic adoption, infant domestic adoption. And the first journey we were going to do a local, um, we were going to go through Catholic social services locally in our state. They had an infant adoption program. And when we went to apply, they let us know they're actually closing their doors because they just didn't have a lot of adoptive parents that they were, you know, expectant parents that were reaching out to them. Mm-hmm. They had people on their waiting list for years. And so um, they were serving those people and then closing down. And so we were left to look at places out of state because that was the only option for infant adoption that wasn't, you know, through the foster care system. Mm-hmm. And so we, I had a spreadsheet and I was doing all this research and filling stuff out. And I came across this faith-based uh, adoption consultancy. And uh, we did a consult with them and and learned a lot. They used a lot of good faith-based language that we were very excited about. And we signed on with them. And it was a very, very rocky journey. We learned um, a lot about the kind of loophole that consultants are. They're actually not child placing agencies legally. Um, they're kind of the middleman, but this agency or or consultancy in particular just, um, lacked a lot of transparency. They, uh, had a lot of, I would say shady borderline unethical, um, practices and behaviors. They worked with a lot of shady borderline unethical agencies, some of which had been shut down because of their unethical and just really poor behaviors. And it made us not have great feelings about the adoption journey. We experienced two disruptions throughout that adoption. So matched with a mom for several months, built a relationship. Then one day she just up and changed her mind, matched with another uh, set of parents that were having identical twin boys. The day before they were born, we were told to fly home because they were having trouble with the father signing the paperwork. And then they were actually discharged into foster care. And so very, very rocky journey. Um, Mm -hmm. But 
in the end, we brought our son home and I couldn't imagine anything else. And so it's just been a testimony to me of God's faithfulness throughout. Um, we learned so much about ourselves, about God and, and about just life. Uh, as we went through that first journey. And so the second time we knew we wanted to do it differently, thankfully, um, the lady who had done our home study was uh, the infant adoption director at the local Catholic social services that had shut down. And she and a former coworker decided to start their own adoption agency. So they now have um, in Alaska, it's called Alaska Adoption Services. They're a nonprofit. They take care of mothers very well, expectant moms. Mm -hmm. They, I just really appreciate the way that they show up uh, in our community and everything. And so we decided to adopt the second time through them. They just work with children in Alaska, families in Alaska, and it's been a totally different experience, very beautiful journey. Um, And so now we have our our second son who's five months old, both Mm -hmm. of which are um, open adoption. So we get to know mom and um, mom in both cases, dad in one case, and uh, have a relationship with them, communicate with them, visit with them, video chats, send gifts, so on and so forth. So that's kind of this whole very large journey and part of my life sandwiched into a brief story. <laughs> well, your your adoptions are more recent than mine, but there are similarities that I heard you talk about. We had a similar people that we were looking to help us connect with uh, a birth birth mother and then the child. And I know we're in Indiana and we were dealing with somebody on the West coast and she threw out, well, I'm a facilitator. I said, what's Mm -hmm. that? You know, and I came to find out that, you know, it's the person who's kind of that middle man that will help to coordinate everything. We didn't have the best experience with that. And I've talked about this on the podcast. This this journey is a roller coaster. There are so many ups and downs. And we ended up going through a, a private attorney that in Indiana that specialized in adoption because we had gotten, you know, we had so many disappointments that we said, okay, in the end, we want everything done by the book. We don't want to have any any kind of challenge to the adoption. And our attorney, the one we use, actually helped write some of the state laws that really we we said, OK, if he was responsible in helping the legislature construct these laws, he knows what he's talking about. And so we we felt comfortable going that route. But there's still even then there were a lot of ups and downs, this roller coaster in the end, like you, the the children we were blessed to receive they were meant to be in our family. We we fully believe God meant for them to be in our family. And that's that's how it's worked for us. We went the private adoption route in part. Uh, that's one of the things we preferred. But also at the time, and I don't know if it's changed in Indiana, but at the time, um, that was the only way you could adopt. If there was an open adoption, if there was any kind of contact post-placement, it could challenge the uh, the adoption. And so that was one of the things that we had to take into consideration because we did adopt within the state and uh, both of our adoptions. And so that was one of the things we had to take into consideration. What I thought having you on here as a, a parent that has gone through the adult open adoption process, if you could talk more about that and how you how you go about navigating that journey, because it's different than mine. Our children 
legally we couldn't reveal anything that we knew about their birth parents as far as how to contact them or anything. Sometimes we didn't really know, but even if we did, we couldn't legally really tell them they were supposed to work through an intermediary, which happened to be the the law firm that we went through. So my oldest has just recently connected with some of his birth family. And, you know, that's his story to tell, and I won't get into any more of it, but he just recently at 22 has connected some of his birth family. So if you could just maybe talk to us a little bit about that, because I'm curious how that, that particular dynamic works. Yeah. So I think it's important to, to say when we first went into our adoption journey, we were not really open to open adoption. (laughs) Uh, but the agency consultancy that we worked with, you could either choose uh, open or semi-open or something was the terminology that they used. And so um, basically that meaning, you know, that we would get to see a profile with some information for the expectant mother. So we would know a little bit of demographics, background, maybe even first name and then they would get to see the same for us. We had a profile book with with pictures, just information about our family, fun facts, our home, whatever. And they would get to know that little bit about us. That was the semi-adoption. Mm-hmm. It didn't mean we had contact afterwards, so on and so forth. Open adoption meant we did get to have that that contact afterwards that um, we would send pictures of the chil- you know, the child children as they grew up and, you know, update letters and things like that. And so I think it took a while for my husband and I to really wrap our brains around that because we had taken in our nieces um, in a foster care situation before. And in in the years leading up to our adoption, we had lost two dogs one year after the other. And they were like our kids to us after, you know, a decade of infertility. And so we just felt like we had a lot of loss. And so foster care wasn't the way that we wanted to go. But we were also worried that open adoption was going to be this like back and forth between two sets of parents or you know, um, them be entitled to visitations or different things like that. And so we weren't very sure, but we went through uh, a local center for resource families that is there for adoptive and foster care families that teaches about, you know, adoption, psychology, adoption, trauma, just all of this goodness. And so we took a course through there and we just learned so much about the beauty and the blessing of open adoption, mm-hmm. uh, kind of the idea of if your kid remembers the first time that you told them that they were adopted, you waited too long because that's such a part of their identity that when they then later find out, it can be very traumatizing for them to be like, well, you mean you're not my parents, you know, by birth and I'm different mm-hmm. than others or or whatever. And then also they talked about, you know, especially in those really tough foster care situations, being honest with your child, of course, age appropriately about where they came from, you know, mm-hmm. who their parents are. And because when you don't, then they tend to fantasize and make up this like, oh, well, my mother's a princess. And and then it can create distance between you and your adoptive child because they have this fantasy figure instead of reality. And so there were just so many things that we had learned about open adoption that really opened our hearts to it. And so again, this, this first mom, it was like four or five months. We were having video chats with her. We got to meet her older kids and in that open, open adoption journey. But then she, she struggled with a lot of mental health stuff. And one day just up and changed her mind and and dropped us like swatting a fly. And, and we were just out of the picture. And then with the twins, we never got to meet 
that mom part of the contract was that we were going to have a video chat with her prior to placement, but then the agency never scheduled that and made it happen. And so with our oldest son, he was born in Arizona. We're in Alaska. So there's quite a distance, but we found out um, that we were matched a week before he was born. And so we were matched. We were actually across the country for my husband's work training. And they're like, well, you need to be in Arizona in a week. And we're like, what? So we were across the country, no baby stuff, just amazing story about how God and family showed up and provided. And we go there and per the contract, the agency was going to be their representative in the hospital during labor and delivery. They would call us when we got to come and meet baby. And then Mm -hmm. we get a phone call at like 6 a.m. They broke her water. Are you guys coming? And we were like, what? <laughs> you know, a text message from dad. And so um, we just hurried up and rushed in there. And so it, it was so beautiful because we got to be in labor and delivery. My husband got to cut the cord. I got to hold mom's hand through labor and delivery. Um, it was through that process that we all four of us together picked his name. And it was just a really, really beautiful story. Right around the time he was one, we went down to Arizona and visited and had Christmas together. And we really want to go down there and visit them again. But of course, Alaska is like thousands of dollars anytime you want to leave and go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to prioritize that. But we do video chats periodically. We have each other on our Facebook pages. Um, we message each other, send birthday presents or whatever else. And so it's it's a super fun um, experience, but definitely different. There's no handbook to it, right? It's like right. there's times it's awkward. There's times you don't know what to say or how to say it. There's times that it's just different navigating this type of relationship because I don't think it's typical, right? It's not one of the original relationships for family that God created, but it's a way that he's able to, I like to say, bring two families together because it's not just grown our family by a little boy. They're our family now too. And then our second adoption Um, The mom wanted to be semi-open and she wasn't so sure. At first, she she wasn't sure if she wanted visitations ever, any photos, any contact. And then um, she's been in the pattern of texting once a month, you know, on the anniversary of his birth. He's one month now. He's two months now. And we'll ask for pictures. And most recently, when she asked for pictures, I was like, you can see him, you know, like, at at this point, I'm like encouraging it, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. and so our second son, he's Alaska native. And there's such a strong culture, and and such strong, you know, family ties, and I don't want him to be taken away from that. And I don't know how to teach him about Alaska native life, you know, about Mm -hmm. all of their Native American traditions. And they do. And so I want to keep that connection as much as possible so he can learn about his family and his history and his tribe and so much more. So we actually just got to go visit with them a couple of weeks ago. And it was mom and two aunts and grandma. And they were telling us about their village and what it's like living there and growing up there and whale hunting and their dance festivals. And and mom got to hold him at, you know, between four and five months old and our older son got to play with her older son and they're about the same age. And so it's just been really beautiful again, just to, to way the, to see the way that God brought these two families together in this somewhat unconventional and untraditional way, but a way to, to make beauty from ashes, to find a place for a child that God gave to this woman, but then this woman decided I need somebody else to raise and parent and nurture this child. And, and I believe God chose us and she chose us. And so it's just, it's really cool, complex, different, but that's, that's it in a synopsis. Wow. 
Well, it, there are similarities again with how you built your family and how we built ours. We went through about 10 years of infertility, ups and downs, just heartache after heartache. We thought about fostering, but then we knew at a moment's notice the child could be taken from us. And it just wasn't in the cards for us to go through that potential heartache there. I think it takes a special person. And I believe fostering to adoption or just fostering itself is a beautiful thing. I believe you have a James 127 heart too. These kids need homes. And however God helps to put these homes together, build these homes, it, it sounded, I wrote down, it sounded like you have an extended family, even though the extended family is not in the traditional sense, because the extended family is the biological family. It's a dynamic that uh, we didn't have in our situation. What we were were doing, it, this was something, I hate the word negotiate, but the the lawyer our representative asked the birth mothers what they would like to receive. And so we agreed to supply pictures and letters up until a certain point, like the first five years or so, but everything had to be done because it was a private adoption. Everything had to be done through the attorney. So as not to jeopardize uh, the adoption itself being challenged, but that's again, because it was a private adoption. This dynamic is is a lot different where you have actually have interaction and and so forth. So it's interesting to me. It's something that uh, it was available back when we adopted in other states, but in our state, it wasn't. So it wasn't something we pursued, but it's I see it's working for you. Mm-hmm. How have you been counseled or directed as far as things that you're going to have to uh, deal with as the child grows older because and I'll, I'll couch it this way we were we were taught in our home studies we had this wonderful woman who directed our home study and she was just retiring as as we finished our home study but what she told us is that information for the child should be given in age-appropriate ways but never volunteered other than the fact that we never shied away from saying they were adopted. But she said information should be provided as the child asks for it. And so they say, do you have pictures of my birth mother? And we would say, yes. And sometimes that would be all they wanted to know. They wouldn't ask to see them, (laughs) but we would answer the question and leave it at that because that's what they wanted to process at this time or a hypothetical do I have any siblings, biological siblings? Yes. That's all they wanted to know. Things like that. So have you been uh, counseled on how to to deal with that dynamic? I mean, since you're an open adoption and they're going to see, have uh, relationships with these, with the biological families. Yeah. I think we've been told somewhat opposite. <laughs> really? Okay, <laughs> like I, cool. Yeah. Like I had mentioned previously. And I think too, you know, in the last 20 years, even in the last, I would almost say five years, I feel like the adoption industry has changed a lot, mm-hmm. but I don't, it's, it's moving towards, I think more, I don't even know a word for it, but, but I think, yeah. So adoption learning partners is a website that you can go on and you can take courses for free or $10 or whatever. They have webinars and um, just self-paced courses all the time. And so for our first adoption journey, there was no education required 
in terms of, you know, education for adoptive parents. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself at that time plugging into Instagram because that's where I found a lot of information around adoption. But I'll be honest, before you run to Instagram and start looking into that, it can be information that's very difficult for adoptive parents to lean into because a lot of it can be uncomfortable. It's adoptees that have grown up that are sharing their stories that are difficult and their struggles with identity and, you know, how how they don't have access to their original birth records and it has to be requested by a judge and a judge has to agree to unseal that information so they can see it and so on Mm -hmm. and so forth. And so there's a lot of negative feelings and connotation around adoption. For a long time, I really struggled with being an adoptive parent. I felt guilty. I felt like I took this child away from their mother. I felt like I was involved in some kind of unethical or illegal or, you know, poor behavior for my own needs to be met and whatever, because that there's been adoption Facebook groups and so much stuff that I've plugged into that will paint the adoptive parents as the villain. And, um, and so that was really difficult for me to navigate for a while. And so I had to, I had to get quiet and, and pray and tune into other, other educational resources. And so for our second adoption journey, the agency required us to take these six or seven courses through adoption learning partners. And it was really cool because they have one called adoption, the identity project, where it talks a lot about, you know, your child's identity as, you know, it was first their birth parents. And then we came into the picture and just how much being adopted is part of their identity, but having these essentially two families, right? There's one called finding the missing pieces. And so that talks, I think a lot about educating your children towards adoption. And then there's one open adoption 101 as well, which talks a lot about navigating the open adoption experience. And so it was through some of those courses that we learned What I had said earlier, if your child remembers the first time they were told that they were adopted, then you waited too long because then it's coming as this like, whoa, wait, what are you telling me? And it can really unsettle their their foundational identity versus, you know, I've just always known this was a part of who I am. And then now it's just reconciling that. And so for us, it's been, you know, talk about it all the time. Talk about it over dinner. Don't make it so your kid has to feel uncomfortable or like you're being rejected because they're asking about their first parents or, or so on and so forth. And so our son, I mean, we went and visited his first parents in Arizona before we left, before we got the ICPC approval to come home when he was like a week old. And so we have pictures of all of us together and his birth dad holding him and birth mom holding him. And uh, so we printed those pictures out and they were like in his toy room and he has this little map that's like a heart in Alaska and a heart in Arizona and my husband tied a string to it. And so he's he's always known we we offer up information all the time. You know, the other day we're like, did you know it's Papa M's birthday today? And, you know, encourage him to sing him a happy birthday or like, you look just like Papa M, you know, and just all the time we're offering up information and and trying to just build that relationship already where him knowing that this is a space that he can come and talk to us about. He doesn't have to feel isolated. He doesn't have to feel uncomfortable if he wants to ask questions. So I think, yeah, I think it sounds like we were told opposite things in terms of that. And there are some opposite things because one of the things that I talk about a lot about on this podcast is adoption trauma mm-hmm. and, and specifically in utero trauma that my oldest son really had it and we didn't know. And it wasn't talked about back when we adopted him. 
And we didn't really find out about it until he was in his uh, late teens. And it came as a shock. We just go, what? We've loved him the whole time. So there are some things that are different. One of the things, though, that I see as a bridge between 20-something years ago and today with your adoption is communication, open communication. And even though we didn't volunteer certain things until they were asked for, we never shied away from talking about the fact that God built our family through adoption. And it's a beautiful Mm -hmm. thing. Adoption was a beautiful word. You know, even you can look into scripture about the fact that we're adopted by God. And so that that was something that we tried to to stress. And one of the reasons I wanted you on this episode to share with my audience is the fact that you have become aware of resources I didn't know about. And as is the case in in anyone I have on here, I want to encourage adoptive parents or uh, parents who are thinking about adoption to check out these resources and then you know, see what they can take from them and pray about it and see, you know, what works for them. I mean, open adoption might not work for you. Private adoption might not work for you, but get the information. That's the the best thing you can be is educated to know as much as you can. And then, you know, put it, leave it with God in prayer. Uh, I'm glad you're helping our audience see some of these different ways to educate themselves and the resources that are available. One thing I wanted to ask you, and this is something that I've heard from multiple adoptive parents is that they wish they had had a support system, even to the point where someone said, when you're going to consider adoption, make sure you have a support system in place. Have you been counseled at all about a support system or what would that look like for you in the best case scenario? I think first separating into different, different parts of support. Like I remember pre-adoption, Every time I would talk to somebody about adoption, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we, we'd love to learn more about adoption because I think a lot of people might have the heart or the thought about adopting, but it's just such a complexity, like such a complex world that they're like, I don't even know where to begin, how to go about this. And so they just shy away. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I heard that a lot and I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to get this information, let me get it in a way that can be supportive towards others to get this information. And so I actually reached out to, again, just a local, it's called Alaska Resource Center for Families or Alaska Center for Resource Families or something like that. They teach local classes and courses and have books you can rent and all kinds of stuff that connect people both with the local child protective services for foster system, you know, just regular adoptive parents like us that are outside of that system. And they were super helpful. They came and and set up educational stuff. They, they linked me with other counseling offices and just uh, behavioral services and different things like that locally in Alaska. And so I held an adoption and foster care forum at our church, had adoptive parents and foster care parents come and be on a panel and ask them just general questions that I had, but then a lot of other people. And so I think that was really cool in the beginning, but then even still through our first adoption journey, anytime I heard that somebody had adopted, I was reaching out anytime I shared with a friend and they're like, oh, did you know that Tiffany adopted? Oh, Tiffany even adopted through that same consultancy or whatever else. Mm -hmm. I was reaching out to that person and like, tell me everything you know. Do you have any advice? Because I didn't know anybody that had personally walked this journey prior to us. It was a huge area of unknown in terms of the financial aspect. We set a budget for $40,000 for this adoption. Because that was, you know, in the average range, it was one of the things we had to do on our application. That was more than I made in a year 
that was an overwhelming amount to me. And so then it was like, even reaching out to people like, how am I going to pay for this? Like we have savings, but it's not nearly that. And, and so learning about adoption grants and different ways that you can fundraise, all of this was a world where I felt very unsupported because I didn't know I was Mm -hmm. left to go out and find that research myself and just plugging into anybody who had experience. And so prior to adoption and through the first journey, it was very much that kind of support that I needed. Mm-hmm. And then in in early parenting, I remember struggling a lot with my son and just being a baby and, and being a toddler and like, why can I not console him? It's because I'm not his real mom, isn't it? You know, just these thoughts that I would have. And so I love that you're here for like the biblical mindset encouragement around adoption. And, and I think a lot of that was what I needed. But then mm-hmm. too, I, I was able to receive that from other you know, biological moms <laughs> raising them. Right. They're like, no, nope, my kid was the exact same when they were 13 months old. It's just a phase it has nothing to do with your child being adopted. And so I think at first it was like, is this because they're adopted and, and the trauma or is this like just a kid thing? And so I think that was some support that I really needed up front. But then I think as my children continue to grow, I'm going to need that ongoing support to, to be able to recognize what, what are some of their behaviors that might be tied to their adoption or adoption trauma. And what is Mm -hmm. it just being a kid, you know, from parents like you who've navigated those ages already. And so I think that's what support would look like for me is that, that encouragement and that just reminding of steadfastness, you know, it's a journey. Mm -hmm. And, and that leads me to this just idea that I have that I just want to share with, with adoptive parents in general is this idea of stewardship. And I feel like it's, it's a really beautiful thing that I'm adoptive parent because when when I see a lot of biological parents raising their kid, I think there's that gap isn't bridged necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain is that, you know, stewardship is such a, a thing for me. It's my word of the year this year, you know, good stewardship over my home and my health and my mm-hmm. finances. But my children is such a thing too, because I recognize that this, it was another woman's child that I get to now raise and nurture and love and parent. And it calls me higher to be a good steward of that, right? Of that gift and blessing that I've received. But it reminds me that our children are gods. Like he loves them more than we could ever understand. And, and so I share that even with, you know, biological parents too, just remembering that, that your children belong to the Lord. They're just yours to steward and raise and love and plant seeds and nurture th- for this time. Mm-hmm. But they're going to be 18 and 20 and 22, and they're going to go up, you know, and be adults of their own. And, and eventually, you know, hopefully see God face to face themselves as well. And so just this idea of stewardship, and I think carrying that on as they grow older, and I'm navigating all of these different ages, I think support in that area would be super helpful. That's a really good idea. And when you were talking about reaching out to other, you know, biological moms, I I just thought of Titus too, because the older, older women are to teach the younger women. And I really think we need to focus on older people teaching the younger ones saying, okay, you know, you're okay. I, I, I know what you're going through right here. And especially as adoptive parents, older adoptive parents now can start to talk to younger adoptive parents and reach out and say, listen, Here's what you're going through. I understand you, if you need somebody to talk to. I, I just want to thank you so much for uh, being on here today and and sharing your story with us and the, the journey that you're on. And I pray that the 
your most recent adoption will be finalized and you'll have, as we call them family days, when the, when the adoption is finalized, that's family day. That's the second birthday for the child. That's what we've always done. And uh, I pray that that comes, goes through for you as well. Um, as I mentioned in the introduction, uh, we are fellow podcasters. If you would like to tell people how they can get in touch with you, because you have a podcast about uh, being a mom and how that all plays out. So if you could tell that as we uh, wrap this up today. Absolutely. Well, first, I want to I want to thank you, Tim, because you had said, you know, the the Titus verse and how moms need to connect and they need that support and encouragement. And I just want to thank you for being a voice for dads here, because I feel like we don't hear that a lot. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I'm grateful that I have masculine figure, you know, that is an adoptive dad that's here speaking encouragement and biblical truth so that my husband has someone too, you know, because I don't Mm -hmm. think that's that's someone that he naturally you know, has in his life necessarily. And so that, that knows and is well-versed with, with adoption. And so thank you for that. And yes, as Tim mentioned, I do have a podcast. It's called Intentional Mom Life with Jesus. And we talk about all things faith, motherhood. We talk about biblical mindset as well mm-hmm. and productivity. I'm, I'm big about being productive. It ties into this whole stewardship theme and just this idea of, you know, God has has gifted us with so many different blessings, and I want to make sure I'm being a, a good steward intentionally through all of those things in my life and showing up in a very positive, encouraging, biblical way and being productive in all the things that matter. And so a tagline is productively peaceful days for busy Christian moms. And uh, you can find that at momlifewithjesus.com, or you can connect with me on Facebook at Sasha Star Robertson. And then my podcast, of course, has a community associated on Facebook. Again, Intentional Mom Life with Jesus community over on Facebook. Perfect. And I will include links to all of those uh, ways they can connect with you in the show notes, as well as some of the resources you mentioned. There's a ton of stuff. I hope you were taking notes today because uh, Sasha really shared a lot of good things with us. So again, thank you so much for joining us today, Sasha. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I believe it's important to get information, to weigh the options that are available, and then take everything to God in prayer. The goal is to parent these children the best way we can. That's all for this episode. I want to thank you for joining me. Until next time. This is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now. If this podcast has given you the courage and confidence to face storms in your life, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it in your Instagram stories and tag me at Tim Maudlin. You can also connect with me in my Facebook group, Anchors of Encouragement. So until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now.